welcome back, everyone, and thank you for listening. Uh, we're only a few episodes short in this podcast, but I hope you are enjoying it thus far. If you like what you hear on this program and are looking for more Christian content to listen to throughout your day, feel free to check out our Through the Bible General Harrison's Way program where we go through several different books of the Bible in each episode, and by the end of the program, we will have read, or listened, through the Old Testament once, Proverbs and the Gospel four times, and the New Testament as well as Psalms twice. Without further ado, let's get into the program. In the last two episodes, we talked about what it means to be a Christian. In this day and age, there are many who call themselves Christians. However, this term has been molded and abused to become a catch-all for anyone who's ever gone to church as a kid. Christianity is not something that's inherited, nor is it just the default faith. Being a Christian is a conscious choice to put your faith in Christ by accepting him as your Lord first and your Savior. In these previous two episodes, we compared and contrasted different kinds of false teachings and false belief systems commonly held by self-professing Christians. We won't delve back into these specific topics today, as I trust that if you're listening to this episode, surely you've listened to the previous ones. Last time, we listed the Ten Commandments as a form of a reminder and a point for context. As I mentioned, these Ten Commandments are God's moral law, which did not pass away with the coming of Christ. This moral law is not an all-encompassing set of rules to know the will of God, his personality, his will for you, and how he intends to guide you. However, it is still a good foundation for the Christian to start with. In listing the commandments, I was also laying somewhat of a foundation for the next topic I feel inspired to zone in on. And so for the next few episodes, we'll be talking about the Ten Commandments and how they apply to all of us. Many of these laws, at first, might sound like they might not apply to us, or the time we are living in. However, they are just as relevant today as they were in the day when God had given them. Today, we will be starting with the first commandment. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, you might be thinking, I've never been to Egypt, I was never a slave, so this doesn't really apply to me, but... Um, obviously we have different parallels that we can draw to this. Um, if you look in the New Testament, we are all, uh, slaves to sin and, um, you know, Jesus Christ, uh, has brought us out of that, uh, bondage that we had to sin. And so, um, we are to praise God and we're to have only one God. So another thing you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't have any other gods before me. If you maybe know a little bit about the uh, the time period or um, the gods that were worshipped 
back then, um, you'll know that, you know, they made different idols out of wood or precious metals. Um, and so you might also think, well, this doesn't really apply to me either, because I definitely don't have any wooden statues that I pray to or any silver figurines that I'm uh, holding before or above God. So many Christians might probably look at this commandment with kind of like a slanted head and think, well, I believe in the true and living God, so I can check this one off my list. And if that were the case, then, you know, our mission is accomplished. There's, there's really nothing else to talk about here, and we can end the episode. But it's not that simple. <laughs> sure, you know, back, back in the day when God gave that law, there were many strange gods that people worshipped. People made their own gods out of wood and silver and all sorts of materials and worshipped them as deities. Um, however, that is not all that God is saying in this command or all that he's referring to. You, have, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, you shall worship nothing before or more than me, the one true God, the one who formed the earth and you from the dust of the earth. There are many ways that we can worship God. In church, the worship section of the service is typically worship in the form of song. However, that is not the only way that we can worship him. When we give God our time, our money, or other things that are precious or limited to us, we are worshiping him. Perhaps one of the greatest ways to worship God is to glorify him by sharing your testimony and praying that it falls on the right ears and praying that the Holy Spirit moves. So what God really means by this commandment is that you make him a priority in your life. Let nothing else distract you from worshiping God through the mission he has planned for your life here on earth. We were all born with a purpose given to us by God, which we are here to fulfill. However, this world is full of plenty distractions that could trap us and keep us from doing the will of our Father. These distractions don't have to be explicitly sinful or scandalous, to be sinful. If they are occupying time that should be spent glorifying God, then you are putting them in the place of God. The Apostle Paul best sums this up in 1 Corinthians. All things are permitted for me, but not all things are of benefit. All things are permitted for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And that's 1 Corinthians 6.12. Here, Paul is stating that while there are many things that are permitted even under the law, not all things are of benefit. Furthermore, he states that he will not be mastered by anything. It is not uncommon to hear this verse pulled out for abuse among those who treat the word of God like a legal book or a manual to find a loophole. When put into the context of the whole word of God and what God expects of his people, we can be certain that Paul surely doesn't mean 
that he can sin freely because Christ died for his sins. If he did, I think he would have lived a very different life, and we probably wouldn't be reading about him to this day. So, what Paul is saying here is of the things that aren't explicitly sinful, there are still things that don't build us up. Build us up in what? Faith, of course. Paul is saying that there are things in this world, while not explicitly sinful, that will not bring you any closer to God. Not only that, but if we aren't careful and intentional in the way that we spend our time and the things we give our attention to, we are in danger of being mastered by it. Another word we could use is obsessed. And so, the Christians should be careful to not get obsessed with anything. That is, anything other than God. If you're in a Christian band and you're obsessed with practicing, that is not the obsession we're trying to avoid. That would be an obsession which serves to glorify God and therefore builds you up by bringing you closer to him through constant worship and time in his presence. However, if we fall into an obsession with things that have nothing to do with God, we can find ourselves far from the path that he has for us. You see, most sin is obvious to us. Often when we think of the lost sinner, we think of someone who's an alcoholic, or someone who's a gambler, or maybe we picture a drug addict, or those practicing sexual immorality, which, by the way, includes more than just homosexuality, and if you're not married, I hope you know that. Now, Satan knows that many Christians stay away from these kinds of sins. He knows that we know what God explicitly deems as right and wrong and he has a playbook for every one of us to use. To the Christian who actively avoid these obvious carnal sins, the enemy presents innocent distraction. If he can't get you one way, he is going to try to get you another way. And so we must be vigilant in every area of our lives. We must wake up every day and desire to serve the Lord. We must seek the path that he has for our feet daily. If we make a daily commitment to do this, our enemy will not prevail in this plan B that he has to attack us. And so, what are these distractions? Well, I suppose they could be anything, but I'd like to go through some examples that are just at the top of my head. One obvious example that plagues my generation is media. I know that sounds like a broad uh, topic to start with, but I'd prefer to start with an umbrella and break it down from there. We are the generation that grew up alongside the internet. The millennial generation grew up and evolved with the internet. Many of us engaged in a reckless amount of media consumption before anyone sounded an alarm on how damaging that could be. Now, I start with media because we are absolutely obsessed with all forms of media. Social media, streaming, live TV, video games, YouTube, blogs, vlogs, 
<clears throat> podcasts, <clears throat> excuse me, um, music, sports, virtual reality, augmented reality, and I'm sure there's an even longer list that I'm missing. But all major time wasters that the older generations are always chomping at the bit to condemn. And I can't say that I necessarily disagree. I, for one, enjoy video games. I have TV shows and movies that I enjoy watching. Just like anyone else, I look forward to a new season of show that I like that's coming out, or a movie, or a new video game. Just as Paul mentioned, there is nothing explicitly sinful about any of these activities on the surface. Although, without getting sidetracked into a tangent, I would like to note that there are genres or subgenres of all media that can make it explicitly sinful. That's all I'll say on that point for now, though. Now, supposing that the content of the media one is consuming isn't explicitly sinful, the individual still needs to be vigilant and ensure that they are the ones consuming the content and not the other way around. To speak personally, I've always loved to play video games when I was growing up. Now, I might sound like a nerd to some, but I sort of took pride in completely diving into a game and kind of making it a priority in my life. That is, a new game when it first came out, and I was really looking forward to it. I would do things like sacrifice sleep, food, and just my general physical well-being for short periods of time uh, when I got captured up by a, by a certain game. Life almost seemed like it was getting in the way of my video game instead of my video game obsession getting in the way of my life. Naturally, as an adult with responsibilities, it becomes fairly natural to avoid this trap. I still enjoy video games, but I make sure to limit my time. And given that it is not my only interest or hobby that I enjoy for entertainment, I need to further prioritize my activities. However, there are other items that I chose to cut out of my life entirely, and for me, it was for the better. I personally find no value in social media, secular music, or politics. In my life before Christ, politics was one of the things that I felt gave my life great meaning and purpose. I drew my meaning and attempted to satisfy my emotional and spiritual void with music that seemed profound and meaningful. And social media was just a way to fill all the other time. The ultimate distraction. So, I cut those things out of my life for the cancer that they were to my soul. Perhaps for you, these tumors are benign. While I do have to admit, I have a strong opinion against social media, I will also acknowledge that there may be some who use it in a helpful way to further the gospel. So I can't condemn it outright, because it's not explicitly sinful. However, we know when something has a hold of us. We know when something is taking up too much of our time. And we know when we are doing something that glorifies God, and when we aren't. So I'd like to ask you all to examine your life, 
your routines, your hobbies, your interests, be very honest with yourself. Pray and ask God to help you in this examination. If you find you are giving too much of your time, money, and attention to something that doesn't bring you closer to God, or you find that your emotional well-being is too dependent on things that have nothing to do with God or His plan for you, don't merely dismiss it as innocent fun. Cut it out of your life before it takes any more of your time, and replace it with worship to God. Now, if you aren't a millennial, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't really have a problem with any of that stuff. I despise technology, and I like to spend my time in the real world. Well, that's good and dandy, and I do think that there is an argument for the case that real-world activities can be more rewarding to the individual and, depending on the activity, society as a whole. For instance, I took up fishing during the pandemic. Sometimes I would go fishing and listen to Vernon McGee's Through the Bible program, and other times I just enjoyed sitting in God's creation and listening to the wind or the birds or the animals or whatever nature sounds you can think of that you hear when you go fishing. For me, that was a very rewarding activity. I, however, am very simplistic in the way that I fish, and my desire to fish is also equally simplistic. I do understand that there are many fishermen out there who can spend upwards of $1,000 a year on new fishing equipment, or who can spend their whole Saturday, every Saturday, trying to catch some fish, or maybe even more than that. The point I'm making here is even wholesome hobbies can become obsessions if we aren't careful. And to go a step further, sometimes our obsessions can begin to morph into something a little bit more than even an obsession. We can let them become our identity. I'm a gamer. I'm a fisherman. I'm a hunter. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Chiefs fan. We want to stay away from identifying ourselves with things of this world, and instead identify ourselves with God above all other things. I am a child of God. Now, I mentioned in the last episode that America is full of a lot of distractions. Entertainment is a big one, but it's just one of them. Success is also a pretty big obsession in this country and, I'm sure, all over the world. Most people associate successfulness with financial well-being or financial stability. If media and wholesome hobbies aren't your hang-ups, then perhaps the almighty dollar is. Well, for some, it's the almighty dollar. Other ambitious careerists take value in the praise they receive from a job well done, or the importance they feel from the role they play in their particular company. And again, there is nothing wrong with striving to succeed. However, what role does that success play in your self-worth? What role does that success play 
in your identity. After all, Job was a very successful man. But if he put all his self-worth into his success, he would have had no foundation when it was all taken from him. And he nearly didn't. And so there are two angles that we can use to evaluate our lives against this commandment to see if we are doing our best to keep it. One, we can look at the time we spend. This is more of a binary or quantitative approach, which can allow for a more objective result. However, it can also overlook some things that either don't take up too much time or we deem them as necessary, so we don't really take them into account. For instance, our careers. We need them to afford a house, to afford food. So we might not take that into account. So how do we uncover these less obvious uh, distractions? To further root out potential idol worship, we must look further within. What am I getting out of these activities? What kind of emotional ties do I have to them? Are they competing with God as a foundation for my well-being? Are they bringing me closer to God? Pushing me farther away from God? Or having no effect at all, moving me in no direction in particular? Speaking to the last point, when we identify the things in our life that are bringing us closer to God, pushing us away, or not moving us in one direction or the other, we can then begin to prioritize our time and cut out what is doing the most damage. We all have our interests, and we all have our own tendencies to be obsessed with one thing or another. To the world, some might look at this like dedication, but to the Christian, it is important that we are constantly evaluating our time and our priorities to ensure that we are putting God first. As Christians, it is important that we don't give our praise and worship to things that have nothing to do with God. We are in this world, and there is nothing wrong with enjoying the world that God has made for us while staying within the moral law that he also gave for us. However, we are not of this world, and we need to ensure that the way we live our lives reflects that. We need to ensure that the things we are devoted to are the things of God. Let nothing dominate us. Sometimes the change you need to make could involve cutting back or cutting out an activity completely. For others, it might simply include increasing the amount of time you spend worshiping God or spending time with Him. Some of you may not have anything to cut back on, but have plenty of space to increase and grow in the things you do with or for God. Reading your Bible, prayer, serving at church, evangelizing to name a few, if I mentioned any activities that you partake in on this episode, I'd like to clarify that I'm merely listing examples of things 
that could be getting between us and our relationship with God. It is entirely possible that you might partake in several of these activities in a healthy way that is well-balanced with other faith-based activities. I would not be able to tell you if an activity that you are partaking in is dominating you or taking a place in your life where God should be. Only you can know that. The point of this episode is not to judge Christians for doing anything other than going to church, reading their Bibles, pray, evangelize, do charity work, worship God through song and praise. The point is simply to get my Christian brothers and sisters to put their finger in the air and make sure the wind is blowing in the right direction. I'd like this commandment to spark an interest in you to look inward, to not only analyze your daily activity, but to also look where your heart is. While analyzing ourselves, it is important to resist the urge to compare your life to the lives of other Christians you know. After all, the standard we strive to attain is higher than any person currently living on this planet. So this would only serve to distract us or keep us from moving forward. If we look at our Christian brother who maybe we think we have a stronger faith than, that might lead us to justify our own uh, lack of movement or our own lack of dedication and keep us from growing as Christians. On the other hand, if you look at a Christian brother or sister who maybe their faith seems a little stronger than yours, you might look at it and think that that's not you or that you're never going to really attain that level of faith, or in other words, it might serve to discourage you. No matter how strong or weak your neighbor's faith is, the truth is that we can all afford to shed some worldly weight and grow closer to God. We won't shed all of it until the day we are called into his presence and made perfect. However, that should not keep us from striving to grow closer and closer to him until that day comes. I don't know you, and I don't know where you might struggle with this commandment. I do know that you do struggle with it, whether you would like to acknowledge it or not. No matter what your struggle might be, I'd like to ask that you join me, because I struggle with it too, in adding this to your routine. In the morning, while giving thanks to God for another day of life, ask yourself and God, how can I glorify God today? And try to take this statement and meditate on it as you go throughout your day. Then, at the end of the day, as you're laying down to sleep, go over your day and look for ways that you've lived your life for God that day. Evaluate the way that you spent your time. Should you find something lacking or needing correction, ask God to help you make the changes you need in your life. I promise that you will never regret giving more of your time to God. After all, he is the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery as you were a slave 
to sin. As a child of God, you are a slave no longer, and as his child, you shall have no other gods before him. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my dearly beloved. Thank you for your continued support of the program by tuning in and listening to the show. Um, Before I end this episode, I did want to mention uh, over the past few years, I've been in and out of creating uh, different t-shirt designs uh, for myself mainly to wear, some for my church as well. But just uh, every now and then I'll get inspired to make a t-shirt that says one thing or another. Sometimes it's just a Bible verse and sometimes it's kind of a a simplification or I guess you could say a bit of hyperbole um, when it comes to evangelizing. Um, And so um, having forgot that I did this, um, I recently remembered and decided, well, maybe it's a good idea. I can redo those designs um, on a platform that allows me to publish a website and uh, and will allow all you fine folks to uh, to purchase the t-shirts if you would like. If you don't like the designs and you don't want to buy any t-shirts, I'm not going to be upset or my feelings aren't going to be hurt. But I figured, um, you know, I like the t-shirts. I like to wear them. I personally uh, like to use my clothing as a form of I guess you could say passive evangelism at times. Um, And I think some of the designs I've made uh, can be good at that. Currently, I only have about three designs uploaded, and I would say over the history, I've had many more ideas for shirts than ideas that I've actually converted into a design. Um, But now that I'm putting it out there... um, Maybe we'll have some more designs to come in the future. But yeah, if you're interested, give it a gander. Um, The website is sheepamong.com. Couldn't get sheep among wolves, apparently. But sheep among was still available. So you can feel free to go to sheepamong.com. I'll also uh, put the link in the description of this episode. Um, and I'll probably just include it in, um, in future episodes as well in case you, uh, lose it and you feel like you want to go back to it. You don't have to remember which episode you heard about it in and refer all the way back to that. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your time and may God richly bless you.